0: Morning, Northside. Uh, we are going to be continuing our study in the book of Proverbs, and so if you would turn with me to uh, Proverbs chapter two, uh, we're going to be looking at the whole chapter this morning. Believe it or not, verses one through twenty-two. And as you are turning there, I would like you to just remember what we've kind of been going over these past few weeks. Um, two weeks ago, we read about the, this um, the father. Uh, of the the son of the proverbs speaking to his his son, calling him to um, to seek after wisdom. Last week we read about Lady Wisdom who is calling to the son as well, and um, this week we kind of shift back and we see that it is again the father who is who is calling out to his son. And just to keep in mind of who that the book of Proverbs is primarily written to, there is why we kind of keep hearing of. Um, this this call to this son is is it was written to that adolescent boy, but it has st- um, obviously wisdom for all of us as we read in the in the introduction. So, just a brief little introduction before we get in um, to chapter two, verses one through twenty two, and hear the word of the Lord. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your hearts, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Let's pray. Father God, this is your word, and you have graciously given it to us so that we might know you. We might know the God who gives himself to us. And Father, it is by your power in the sending of your Holy Spirit that uh, we are able to understand your word. And so we pray that your word would be our rule your spirit, our teacher, that you would be glorified this morning, you would uh, rejoice in our hearts, or cause our hearts to rejoice in you. Let us see more of your glory, let your word go forth this morning, and it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen. And so one of my favorite things to do used to be working out at the gym, and in fact, I enjoyed it so much and loved it so much, I actually got my undergrad in sports and exercise science. But to be honest with you guys, one of the reasons or the only reason actually why I worked out at the gym was because that I believed if I put in all this hard work, it would get me a wife. And then once I had this wife, you know, I would be filled with complete happiness for the rest of my life. And so I put in work at the gym... You know, I organized my whole entire life around it. I made sure that I was not miss a workout, and if I was to miss a workout, I would feel guilty because that was inhibiting me or I was inhibiting myself from actually achieving what I desired most, which was everlasting happiness. So if someone was to ask me to do something that would take away from my time at the gym, the thought that would run through my mind would be well, is it worth it? I have to weigh out the options in my mind. You see, I mention this because what we all desire after and what we all long for is not a wife, but everlasting happiness. And the things that we are most willing to make sacrifices for, those are the things that we are looking to to bring us this everlasting happiness. Those things that keep us from Sunday morning worship. Those are the things that we're looking to to bring us everlasting happiness. And you see, I would make some great sacrifices to get to the gym on time. One of those would be getting up voluntarily before 5 a.m. to make sure I got my workout in. Because again, I desperately desired the everlasting happiness I thought it would bring. But you see, all of scripture teaches us that this happiness, or maybe we can put it another way, this blessedness that we're all seeking after is found in the Lord God himself and following after his ways. You see, the book of Proverbs teaches us that this happiness is found in seeking after the Lord Jesus Christ, seeking after and attaining wisdom, which is found by humbly submitting ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so at the beginning of this passage, we are confronted with the effort and the sacrifice that it will take for those who are um, desiring to seek after wisdom. And the question that might go through your mind, because it goes through mine, is that of all the things, in my li- uh, that all the things that I can give my life to attain, is wisdom really worth the struggle? Scripture answers this question with a resounding yes. And that is because wisdom leads us to all that we are searching for. You see, this passage teaches us that because wisdom is first and foremost, or first and foremost promises life with God, we must be willing to sacrifice all to attain it. And so the first thing that we will see in this passage is that wisdom promises a reward to those who earnestly seek. And so look with me again to verses 1 through 5, where we read, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You see, right off the bat, we're hit with this massive conditional statement. If you do this, Then you will receive this. And we read three ifs, right, that are followed by one major then. And this then is the greatest then of any if-then statement. For it promises life with God. It promises the fear of the Lord, which actually is a phrase meaning to have a right relationship with God. You see, it is a relationship that is filled with blessedness because it is with the eternally blessed one. And he promises to be your God. And so there are two aspects of blessing that this passage kind of hits on. And one of those is God himself and the other flows from it. It's it's being kept safe from evil. And so before we get into that, we must first address these opening ifs. And so the passage, again, begins with four verses speaking of this hard work and this sacrifice that is required for those who are going to seek after wisdom. See, but the thing is, it's not something that we are meant to figure out on our own, but in fact, we have been given something. It's not as if someone said, hey, there's some hidden treasure somewhere in the world. Your life actually depends upon you finding it and good luck finding it. Not giving us any any information about where to look or where it is. But in fact, actually, we have been told where exactly the treasure is. We have been told exactly how to get there. We have been giving everything that we need to get there. We have actually been told that there will also be challenges along the way, how to avoid them, but also guaranteed that we will receive this treasure. You see, all we have to do is get up and go or to put it another way all we have to do is trust that it is worth it and then we must take action because you see action and trust they go hand in hand so in other words it's not enough to just greatly desire after wisdom or this hidden treasure you must actually get up and actively seek it you see And that's what we're reading here in these first four verses. The father is calling again to his son with urgency. He says, seek after the ways of wisdom that I have taught you. It's not simply enough just to listen. There must be a desire for it. We see that in verse 2. But a desire is not enough. You see, you must take action. We see that in verse 3. Merely half-hearted action, however, is not enough. It demands your whole life, all of your effort. Verse 4. Because the reward that we are going to receive is far greater than anything we can ever ask or think. The reward is fellowship with the living God of creation itself. The one who is goodness and justice and mercy and love. Who is life in and of himself. He is the one who welcomes you into the perfect happiness. Hear this. That is only found within the life of the triune God. He brings you in. To enjoy that. It is a happiness again that is not rooted in our emotions, not rooted in our circumstances here, but rooted in a Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who secured our hope of a new world, where, as I said last week, where all sad things become untrue and only perfect love remains. This is the reward. That wisdom promises. Paul puts it this way. We get, we receive every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And we can put that in shorthand as we receive God himself. That is the reward that we have been created for as well. And so the reason why wisdom is going to require hard work is because it involves a sacrifice. It involves a death to ourselves. Like I said earlier, we are all desiring after happiness. We are all looking to these things that we believe will bring us this everlasting happiness. You see, it could be in things of your marriage or your family. You could be searching for that in some sort of relationship. You could be looking for your happiness in your job or your retirement. Or the next vacation that you're going to be going on. That could be the promise of happiness. Your perceived attractiveness, even, your mental or physical health. You see, we could even just seek to find our happiness just in the moment. What is going on now? That is where I'm going to find my happiness. But once we recognize that wisdom requires us to make these things secondary, and sometimes even to get rid of certain things, depending on what it is, we are crushed by that reality that we cannot do this on our own. We must rely on another, another to strengthen us, another to lead us, another to guide us. And that the reason for that is because we believe that these things hold that key to what we desire most. So you see, there can only be one who can help us and that's Jesus Christ because he is the one who has come to freely give himself to us so that we might be freed from our sinful self-seeking. You see, wisdom is living in humble submission to the Lord Jesus Christ as King. And any hope of growing in wisdom, it starts there. Because the source and foundation of wisdom is fear of the Lord. See, it begins with laying down your pride and trusting in the work of His salvation on your behalf. It's hard to seek after wisdom because we must trust in another We must trust in one who has our best interest in mind. That is not ourself, you see. And that goes against everything within our own sin-infected existence. But, seek after wisdom and you will find God. It is guaranteed. We just read that. However, you can only find God if he gives wisdom. Read that in verse 6. Yet, You are guaranteed to find what you seek. Again, 5 and 6 are playing off each other, verses 5 and 6. We see that what this means is that wisdom is not, or I'm sorry, don't want to say that. Wisdom is a grace given by the God who graciously gives. You see, it's not something that you can earn because the gift, the reward is God himself. He welcomes you into the fullness of his life. And you are in no position. I am in no position to demand anything from him. And now, how does this sort of line up with the first four verses where we're reading that we need to put in effort? Well, we must understand that God uh, that our uh, that effort is not opposed to God's grace, or put it another way, God's grace is not opposed to our effort. Instead, it's opposed to our earning. You see, effort is this um, is faith in action. It's action. It's acting in our faith that God will deliver on his promises. Whereas earning is fueled by a self-righteous attitude. It's an attitude that says, you owe me. And that is not how the Lord works. And we actually see James continue to affirm this in the New Testament as at uh, the beginning of his epistle where he writes, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. See, and one commentator says, again, seek wisdom and you will find God. Find God and you will gain wisdom. They go hand in hand. It's because the source of wisdom is the God of the universe, and He has given us His word to seek after Him, and He's called us to Him in prayer where we meet with Him. Therefore, let us continue to pray to the Lord to ask him to continue to deepen our understanding of who he is and of all that we receive with, um, when he binds himself to us. You see, we also read of some benefits here in verses 7 through 9 that we get as, um, from the God who graciously gives himself to us. There's this promise of his loving protection over his people. He says he he will be a shield about them. And one of the ways in which this shield imagery kind of plays out in this um, situation with uh, Proverbs is that he equips his saints with the right godly knowledge of living a holy life. He teaches you how to discern good from evil so that you are not caught off guard by Satan and his assaults. Verse 8 shows us that this is ultimately in the fact that he is watching over your life. That he is protecting you. You see that he is is keeping you from being overwhelmed by despair and sorrow. He is leading you and guiding you on your life's journey here as we await entrance into our heavenly home. With a fullness of life we will experience with him. See, The call here is to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lay down your pride. Trust in him. That is where life is found. In Christ and in Christ alone. Where do you go to seek? Seek him in his word. It's your treasure. Seek him in prayer. For he promises to respond to those who ask. Seek him in public worship where you gather with the saints. Because he has promised to meet us here now. As Stan reminded us as we pray as he prayed for us. Seek him by casting aside your own selfish desires, seeking to do good to those around you, good, doing good to your neighbor. You see, wisdom promises us this great reward, and it is your responsibility to earnestly seek it out with your whole life. For in seeking wisdom you will, it's guaranteed, find the God who graciously gives himself to you. It is from this relationship with God that all blessings flow and we see in the next section of this passage that another promise flows from wisdom. And it's specifically that wisdom promises deliverance from present evils. Wisdom promises deliverance from present evils. And so if you look to verse 9, we actually encounter another then statement. And this kind of flows, again, from, the first, from verse, uh, verse 5. And it expands more on what it means to have the Lord as our God. And so look with me again to verses 9 through 11. I'll read them quickly. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, and understanding will guard you. You see, I'm convinced here that these verses are speaking of the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the reason why is because commentators, as I was studying, they were pointing out that these words, righteousness, justice, and equity, are speaking of having a renewed moral understanding. Or to put it another way, speaking of having a conscience. But it's not just any conscience. It's not just any moral standards. Because again, we can all keep our own moral standards. But it is a renewed understanding, one that has been informed by the Spirit of God, who has opened our eyes to the understanding of the Creator God and what He says is good and right and moral and true. Because again, that is part of our condition as sinners. We believe that we know what is good, right, and true for ourselves, and we can decide it. And so we don't need God anymore. We can do this on our own. But we know all too well the horrors that that causes. We've seen that on a national scale. We've probably felt it on a personal scale. You know, there was a point in history, and it's even still today, where people, where it's considered not immoral to treat people who are of a different race, a different ethnicity, a different culture as less than human. Maybe you felt that. But there's also maybe been a period in your life where you thought it was not immoral to treat others as an object that you could manipulate for your own satisfaction in whatever way possible. You see, we need to have a renewed moral understanding that only comes from the Holy Spirit applying Jesus Christ's work to our hearts. And that's what we're reading about here. That's what wisdom promises. And so it is only through the Holy Spirit that we can regain this. We read in verse 9 that wisdom will come into, I'm sorry, in verse 10, that wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your souls. Think about that. What we're seeing here is this focus on a renewed inner life, or maybe we can put it another way, as a heart change that occurs from the good gift of wisdom. It's a recreative act that is done on God's part and is resulting from him giving himself to us without this recreative act it's impossible to live out a wise life impossible to delight in anything that is good you see it flows again from the holy spirit living in our hearts and who leads us in the way of holiness and we know that the holy spirit is present with us because not because we are sinless you see but because we have a desire and we delight in after the holy ways of God. And we feel this tension within us as we are faced with temptation, you see. That tension is not something that, that we can feel on our own. We, it must be a result of having warring factions within us, of with having the Holy Spirit uh, warring against our sinful flesh, fighting to lead us and guide us in the way to God, which is the way to abundant life. And when I say abundant life, I don't want you to think best life. Now, no abundant life is found in the God who is life and who has been the one that you were created to be satisfied and sustained by. So, you see, this all flows from the Holy Spirit's application of wisdom to our hearts. He takes Christ's work and reveals it to us and leads us in the way of holiness. And that is actually the way to complete happiness because because it leads us to God himself. So it is this renewed desire that protects us actually from the present evils of this world. Because, you know, we want to be around people who are of a like mind. That's who our friends are, you know, typically most of the time. They are people who are like us. And so you see, as our desires change, you probably have experienced this in your life, that your friend groups might also change. It's not necessarily a bad thing that that happens. What we see is that as we are renewed by the Holy Spirit, the more and more we want to be around others who have been renewed by Him as well. You see, the same Spirit that is alive within me is the same Spirit that is alive within you, that is alive within any who professes Christ, any who is a Christian. And we want to be around and enjoy the fellowship that is found there. And that's what verses 12 through 19 kind of show us in this passage. It shows us that um, our renewed desire after wisdom naturally leads to this separation of all that is evil or unwise. And we want to probably point out that evil here means that any is anything that is opposed to God, because God Himself is good. So you see, we kind of read in chapter one a few weeks ago, if you were here, that there was this appeal to resist. The gang who delight in evil and who and, and to choose wisdom, and so what we're seeing here is kind of the flip side of that. That if you choose wisdom, you actually will resist evil. They go hand in hand. And so, who are these people that are being spoken of um, that are evil and their paths lead to um, they forsake the paths of uprightness and all this stuff? Well, you see, these are the people who desire to live their own way. People who delight in the pain. Of others, And we can, you know, see that they might not be knowing that they're doing that. But sometimes even through the way they joke, cruel joking, crude joking, what they find to be funny, what they point out in other people. What is it, you see? Are they calling out the good and the beautiful in others? Or are they pointing out how they could maybe look better? Or how they could get their life together? Or how they could maybe parent better? You see... We are not actually um, so different from these people. The difference is the fact that the Lord God himself has given us his Holy Spirit. He has come and stooped down and lifted us up out of our sinful ways in order to enjoy the fullness of life with him and to lead us in the way of wisdom. And so the other evil that wisdom protects us from as we read here is this forbidden or adulterous woman. So you see, she is this one who seduces you with flattering words, promises to give you the attention that you desire. She's the one who looks so attractive. She knows all the right things to say. She fills your mind with the promises of pleasure. She promises excitement at the fact of sneaking around and keeping secrets and keeping things hidden. She makes you feel alive. But it comes at a cost. Because as we read, her house leads down to death. And if you bind yourself to her, that's where you can find yourself. And now I'm not just talking about a woman here, I'm talking about your sin. You see, it's the same thing. It seduces us, entices us, gives us promise of happiness. And the thoughts that conjure up in our mind, we remember only the good things that happened, right? The momentary pieces of pleasure that are indulging in our sin has offered us. But in those moments of temptation, what is conveniently left out is all the intense feelings of shame and self-hatred and worthlessness that follow. You see, whether it is sexual immorality, gossiping, drunkenness, slander, greed, all of these things promise to give us happiness in life here, but they only deliver death. So the only way of escape from her grip is by walking in wisdom, or to put it another way, is by faith in Jesus Christ, because he is the one who has come to rescue us from the grip of our sin. You see, so let me ask you, when you are faced with your temptation, where is it that you are turning? In those moments, are you choosing to walk after the way of wisdom? Are you running to the Lord? Are you battling? Are you fighting? If you are, keep it up. You're doing a good job. You need to wrestle. That is actually the work of the Lord in you. Rejoice, you see. But if you're content with the adulteress, there is a warning here for you. Her house leads down to death. And after death, there's no hope of escape. But now there is hope to be found in Jesus Christ, the Lord. And so wisdom's promises of deliverance are, uh, from these present evils is rooted in the fact that a heart change occurs within us by the Holy Spirit applying the work of Christ to our lives. Our desires change drastically, you see. We now delight to walk in the ways of wisdom. We delight to seek after the ways of holiness. And that is all because of the Holy Spirit illuminating those ways in our life. And so because wisdom is a gift given by the God who graciously gives in order to lead us to him, we see in this last section of the chapter that um, wisdom promises an eternal security. So if you look with me to verses 20 through 22, we read, So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. And so the reason why I say that uh, wisdom promises an eternal security has to do with the promise of the land that is here. This is a major promise within the Old Testament and it's really quite awesome. Um, it reaches all the way back to Abraham, and you can read about it in, ver- in Genesis 15 and Genesis 17 if you want to, and then see how this kind of works itself out, and just read through the whole entire Bible, and you'll be able to see it. Um, it's one of the central promises of Scripture, believe it or not, and it's one of the central promises that God made to Abraham when he covenanted with Abraham. Abraham, And so to uh, quickly understand what a covenant is, we can uh, simply understand it as a binding promise of undying loyalty. A binding promise of undying loyalty. And we see that today. We know Scripture teaches us that marriage is a covenant. And it's entered into freely by both parties. And there are conditions on both sides. Uh, when, we, when you enter into marriage, the promise is that you will give all of yourself to no other but to the one you're entering into this covenant with. And so it's actually meant to show us and demonstrate to us the way in which God relates to us because he is a God of covenant and that's how he relates to us. He binds himself to you and to me. And we enter into this covenant by faith. And so what does that really have to do with Abraham and the land and all this stuff? Well, it's actually important to see that when God binds himself to Abraham, he gives him three specific promises. One is that he promises to give him an offspring, a child. He promises that he will be Abraham's God and the God of all of Abraham's children and two and three sorry he promises that they will receive uh, he will give them the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession and as this promise continues to unfold throughout the biblical story we see that the land is this promised place of rest and peace and blessing you see it is the place where god and man will dwell will live together again it's meant to represent you see going back to the garden and so the way in which Abraham entered into this covenant was he trusted he, um, in God's promises or he was justified by his faith. And so God continues to display this promise throughout um, history. This is a promise that also God gives to Moses when he redeems Israel out of Egypt and he enters into a covenant with them. It's the same thing, you see. It's just actually further expanded. And then God gives the law and, we, and he gives that for the reason so that the people will remain with him and enjoy abundant life in the land with God himself. And so, those who lived by faith, these were the ones who were termed, uh, they, they trusted in his laws and in his promises, and they were termed upright, faithful, um, having integrity, and those are the words that we read here in verses 21. Uh, in verse 21, And so, in other words, we can say that these were the ones who were living wisely, trusting in the Lord's promises. And so this side of the New Testament, we can see that the promised land of blessing and rest and peace is only a shadow of the ultimate promised land of blessing, rest, and peace. That is heaven itself. You see, because that is where God and man will dwell together again, where we will live and enjoy the fullness of life with the God who is life himself. And there, there is no wickedness, no pain, no sadness or evil. That's why we read that they will be cut off from the land, the wicked and the treacherous. But know this It is God who brings us in to know Himself, you see. Wisdom is walking with the God who graciously gives all of Himself to us for our salvation, to lead us to an abundant life of complete happiness with Him in the land. Let me say that again. Wisdom is walking with the God who graciously gives all of Himself to us, to lead us and to guide us to complete happiness. With him in the new heavens and the new earth. That is the guarantee. And it's because Jesus, the wisdom of God, was the one who secured this for us. He fulfilled all of the ways of wisdom. And as we talked last week, he experienced the curses of not following the ways of wisdom. So that you and me, so anyone who trusts in Christ, can have this as a guarantee that you will enjoy abundant life with the God who is alive. So, when he rose from the grave, there was a new covenant that was, um, that was greater and made greater and it goes out to all the nations. And so that is the thing that we enter into. God binds himself to us. We want to keep that in mind. And that is why we can say... It takes hard work and sacrifice to walk in wisdom, you see, because it's not because we are to earn God in that way. No, it's because we have been brought into the new covenant, that we are called now to walk in wisdom. That is how you testify, how I testify to the world that I belong to another, and that this world is not my home, that my happiness, in fact, is not rooted here, but it is rooted in the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, this means that you are called, and I am called, to act on our faith. To seek it out. Seek out that wisdom as hidden treasure. Casting aside all the other things that we are hoping in to bring us happiness. And if you're struggling to wonder what those things are, pray to the Lord and ask Him. Ask Him to reveal it to you. Ask Him to lead you and to guide you. We read, He is the God who generously gives wisdom to all who ask. And He is the one who delights in His people. Think about that. He delights in you. He wants you to enjoy the fullness of life with Him. That is good news. And so the happiness that we all desire after, that we all long for, is not found in anything here on this earth. We have been created to be satisfied by the Lord God himself, the self-giving God of the universe. And it is out of his wisdom and his grace that he has called us to himself, promised to satisfy our deepest desires, and has given us the hope of a future with him. So the question that was asked earlier is, why is wisdom worth struggling after? Well, because everything else that you can give your life to will only take your life. But by walking with Jesus Christ, you will receive the abundant life that you so desire. And we taste a bit of that here, a bit of that abundant life. Remember, because God's bound himself to us, and that is our hope. But it is abundant life that, we, uh, that is, reaches its fullness in the land where only perfect love remains, where we are guaranteed to be welcomed into because of Jesus Christ. So you see, the choice is before you, abundant life with Jesus Christ or the way of eternal death. Seek the wisdom from God who graciously gives wisdom and know that your future is secure because it's not rooted in your circumstances here. It's not rooted in your happiness here. It's not rooted in your feelings. It is rooted in Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. Choose Christ and live.